All right. All right. There we go. We are live here on the experience with Michael Aaron Casares. Thank you all for tuning in and welcome back. It's been a minute. When was I last with you guys on the experience? I think it was Tuesday evening. Tuesday evening, we were having a uh, poetry night. We're going to do the same here again tonight. Welcome to the Sunday night poetry reading on the experience with Michael Aaron Casades. I hope you guys are having a great evening. I hope you've had a great weekend. Um, I had a pretty good weekend, I have to say. Um, All things considered, and I'm not talking about the traitorous, backstabbing NPR media when I say that. Um, I'm, I'm talking about all things considered in the personal life because, hey, here on The Experience, we just have to take a seat back sometimes. Sometimes we just have to take a step back from everything. We have to stop our breath and then take in a huge deep slow inhalation of fresh pure oxygen and think it out anyways I don't know what I'm talking about but um all things considered starring Meryl Streep the pedophile Is Meryl Streep a pedophile? I couldn't say for a fact that she is. But just think about her circle of friends. Like, you know, Weinstein was her god. Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, no, Weinstein was her god. Uh, It was Roman Polanski was the other one that she worshipped as well over in, uh, where, where did he hide out at? In Europe or something? For raping, a, um, sodomizing a girl? A 13-year-old girl? Um, Meryl Streep was a hero of mine, but it seems to me that a lot of these individuals, Meryl Streep, Midler, I mean, Sandra Bullock wears infant and fetus flesh um, foreskin on her face for crying out loud. Now, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with extra exotic treatments, but fetus foreskin on your face? Come on, Sandra. I know that little elf demon was trying to get a lot more out of you on that show than just that. Right, Miss Ellen? Degenerate? Hmm. Well, we didn't come here to get negative. We came here to get positive. No, just kidding. We're just going to catch a vibe here on a Sunday evening. It is the experience with Mr. C. Thank you 
for joining us live. If you're with us, we are streaming on our YouTube station over here. That's at, uh, what is the station over here? It's youtube.com slash channel or slash user slash macosteris1111. So if you ever catch it, you know, you're going to be like, oh, there's been this guy in this pocket of the universe. And it's like, um, what would you call it? Like, it's like, it's, it's like off in its own little corner of suppression. And then one day he was just there. How does that happen? Well, I've been here the whole time. It's just, when was the universe going to allow this? <laughs> I don't know. It seems now is the time. So let's go, my friend. Let's go. Um, do me a favor and, and just go. Take a gander. We'll go there now before we get this poetry reading underway. Because what we're doing, if you've been with us, is I'm sharing the work that I have um, published on my blog. The blog is called The Root of Many Returns. And, um, oh, I already blew this thing up like a thousand times. The Root of Many Returns is the name of my blog. And it's my official website, actually. Now let me shrink this so you can get a better view of it. Okay, that should do. And... Bam! And, um... Uh, so for tonight, we'll be reading poetry that's found within the blog. But if you visit therootofmanyreturns.com, just go to the poetry section right here. And it'll take you right over to where we'll be reading from tonight. If you'd care to follow along, you're more than welcome to. Um, but... We're going back to 2018, actually December of 2018 tonight. Um, I'm going to start with uh, two poems that are um, rather aged poems, and I'll maybe read one or two after that. Um, if you're following along in the blog, or if you go to the blog, you'll probably note that there's some work that I'm not reading on this um, podcast. Uh, that would be like the sonnets and also the pieces that are part of the Black Orpheus series and if you'd like to read the Black Orpheus series actually if you just visit just click this link right here it says read Black Orpheus and that is the uh, work in progress that I'm sharing over on Wattpad and I have two pieces happening there now one um, being Black Orpheus Poetry of Dreams and Dementia as written by Nicholas Duke, and also a short story I'm writing, a short fiction piece I'm writing entitled Sex Demons. So that should be fun, but we'll see how that goes. All right, now let's get back to the poetry. <clears throat> now, I'm just going to get into it, I guess. This is what we do here. Um, the Neighborhood is Silent is the name of the first poem that I'm going to read. And like I said, the first two I'm going to read are going to be older poems. As an example, The Neighborhood of Silent, the first incarnation of this poem was published in the first book I ever published independently. 
and that was a book called Sad Height back in 2005. And um, I did a limited run press of that. It was very expensive. This was before the boom of the print-on-demand industry. It was before things like that got like... Here, let me just read this again real quick. Or I can do this. It was before print-on-demand got huge. It was before... Um, like things like Lulu, I mean, um, Amazon and Kindle and that stuff didn't really exist back at that time. Like they had stuff like that. They had readers, but it wasn't a big thing. And so, um, I was, uh, doing this on my own dime. It was very expensive. It was very expensive for a very limited run. Um, and that was Sad Height was the name of the collection. And, uh, I used a pseudonym or a pen name, um, and that was Jacob Gray. Um, and uh, Virgo Gray Press is the name of my publishing company. And um, it's been that way since... I mean, I made up Virgo Gray Press probably around 2001 or two, And I started actively publishing with that moniker in 2003. And I officially published a book with the Library of Congress in 2005 with Virgo Great Press. Um, so in uh, four years, we'll be hitting uh, tw 20 years of Virgo Great Press. That'll be fun because um, The Vanishing Poet, which was my latest publication of poetry, aside from the supplements, uh, which were... Um... What were the names of my supplements? <laughs> the names the names of the supplements to the vanishing poet. Uh, Severance, poems from a dystopian America, and poetry from the edge of forever uh, were the two supplemental pieces that I did to the book. It's like, you know, if you think about like when um, a musician or a band releases an album and they have an album with 12, 10, 15, 20 tracks on it, and then they have singles and they have EPs, that's what my supplements are. They're like singles or they're like EPs to the album. They complement them. They highlight certain avenues of the poetry that are included in The Vanishing Poet. They have their own original artwork, um, you know, stuff like that. Like, because, for example, the poetry from the chat book, which is called Poetry from the Edge of Forever, which is a supplement to my book, the collection, The Vanishing Poet, um, that one features um, a body of work that was read live on a um, virtual poetry reading that I did in April of that year. And the poems that I shared, which had their own story or showed their own path, those poems were included in that publication, which was a supplement to The Vanishing Poet and just, you know, an, just something to kind of draw attention. Also, it could have been like also considered like something kind of promotional as well, as was Severance. But Severance served its own purpose because inside of The Vanishing Poet, that poetry collection, there is a body of poetry that is 
political poetry, it's activist poetry, it's poetry that stands alone from the publication but is included because I had chat books in 2007, 2008, um, 2006 that were actually, no, this was 2003. Like, I had chat books of poetry. I had, I had a, a chat book of poetry called The Terrorist that I published in 2003 or 2002. Like, it was a lot, it was, I think it was 03. It might have been a little bit later. It might have been 04 or 03. But it was during the Bush regime, but the Bush regime that I published this story, uh, this uh, pub, this chat book. And that chat book, it was like 30 pages. It was all political poetry. It was all a rage against you know, the establishment, um, from the eyes of, a you know, a gay Latino poet in the year 2004, you know, 2003. And that's why that, that, that stood alone from the book, The Vanishing Poet, because The Vanishing Poet is a collection of all of my work prior to 2010. Um, and well, yeah, prior to 2011, 2010. So, That's um that's where some of this work comes from. The first poem I'm going to share with you has been with me for a very long time. Um it it was first published in Sad Height in 2005. Um I'm wrong. I am absolutely wrong. It was first published <laughs> No, no, no. That's right. That's right. Sad height in 2005, because then it made its second appearance in Ghost Roads, which was a chat book I published in 2008. And it made an appearance, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, in This Reality of Man, which was my second collection of poetry. And its final incarnation, God Rest Its Soul, is in The Vanishing Poet. But that's just because The Vanishing Poet, again, is a collection of poetry of previously published work that wasn't published on a big network. It was published in out-of-print chapbooks, handmade chapbooks, stuff that you're not going to read or find anymore anywhere. This Reality of Man, you can get it on Amazon, but I think it's up to $35 now. What the hell's that? I'm not seeing any of that money. I mean help me. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. Let's get to this poetry reading. All right. Now, if you're following along or you want to follow along at some later time, uh, you would want to go to the root of many slash tag slash poetry slash page slash eight Slash, And that'll take you to where I am. I believe this is actually the first poem that I published um, at the top of this page on uh, December 3rd, 2018. But again, like I said, this poem was also published in The Vanishing Poet again. But uh, this poem has been with me forever. Like, forever. Um, I wrote this poem in 2003-ish during the Bush regime here in America. And one thing that 
I could say in reflection of this poem is that I was going through a time in my life where I was beginning to awaken to a lot of things that were happening around the world. Like I was starting to pay attention to things that were happening outside of my personal purview and out of my personal experience and started taking in other people's and other environments' experiences with my own. And in doing so, um, I started to pay attention to a world that I had never paid attention to before. And that was the world of government and politics, etc. But one thing that I noticed in doing so is I observed the condition of humanity. I observed the condition of the human spirit. And I compared that to what I was seeing in the media and the news. And I just remember what they were pushing at that time was a lot of fear. They were pushing fear and terror and hatred stronger than any time that I had known prior to the year 2000. And that is where I think the backbone of this poem comes from. Because in that fear, in a nation, in a people's fear, in in their sheer will to disassociate, they do it because they're afraid. They do it because of the terror. They do it because they're told to. Now... A lot of the work that I wrote at that time, and it's not all quality, trust me, it's not all quality, but a lot of the work that I wrote at the time focused on those kinds of themes. Um, They were very, very social conscious themes. And by that I mean um, an outward observation of an inward perspective. This poem is called, The Neighborhood is Silent. The neighborhood is silent against the raucous jeers of abounding crowds. Traffic rushes statically on highways not far from here. The wind rhapsodizes dreamily lulling the silent, sleeping street. But the neighbors are watching. I'm sure as I carve an apple, its red skin sweating in the pungent humidity. I never speak to my neighbors. We never barbecue either. We remain indoors in our closed circuit environments in our creature comfort habitats, in our dens of solidarity. The land has changed. Preference of security leaves these remains, these dormant people silent and secluded from extemporaneous movement. Wheels on upturned bikes spin like reels. A family time passed and the basketball children's games 
are completely forgotten. The children are gone, locked behind barred doors or perhaps in their basements, slaves to their senses, eyes and tongue. The neighbors are watching, though. I'm sure as I scream a verse or two and I smoke a cigarette that they huddle quietly, waiting to break free. job fair I stood around pacing watching a multitude of kids my age or younger heard through stalls of opportunity they are all here to find a job a career deserving of their certificates and claim to knowledge they all go off to big corporations making higher figures than I ever did at my first, second, and third jobs. But that's what they're trained for. That's why they live. To exist as part of a system necessary for a life they've been taught to desire. Sure, people who pay more for education should get paid more to work. That's the rationale they are born with. Never mind the love affair or the need to live as you please. There's money to be made. So that poem, Job Fair, um, was first published in a book called, no, not a book. It was an online, um, an online literary magazine called, Cal I think it was Calloused Hands. Oh, no, 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 no. I think it was in The Clockwise Cat. I think The Clockwise Cat still publishes. I, I don't think The Clockwise Cat would be happy with this writer at this point in time because um, a, a lot of a lot of publishers, a lot of people in, in academia, a lot of people in the literary and the publishing and all of those fields are so in their heads up their butts about politics and Trump that they would probably deny the fact that they published this poem if they knew that I was a Trump supporter. Anyways, that's not what these are about. But um, this, this poem, for example, was basically just about the cog in the wheel that I was observing when I was um, I had this job uh, where I, I was ushering people during a job fair and um, 
it, it was interesting to see, like I said, like it, it was different. I mean, you, you, the more you step out of your comfort zones and the more you go places you've never been before, the more different things you experience, the more perspectives you begin to understand and the more perspectives you begin to understand exist. Like you wouldn't understand that certain types of people exist if you didn't actually live in the world and go and step outside of your own backyard. Like it's insane. Some of the things that go on out there, but that was my first real experience with the cog in the wheel, uh, watching the machinery of humanity work, which was ensuring that through, uh, you know, the education system that they had, um, you know, a future, future economic, uh, assurity with the growth and jobs and people looking for them and, and, and being trained and, and, and that's all it was about. Like, um, and, and it was also that type of individual, like you wouldn't have found an artistic or, or, or you wouldn't have found someone necessarily whose drive was to do something like that, as opposed to someone who's going to be an engineer, you know, or someone who's going to go work in accounting or, and that was their drive and they're different people. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, some of the pe people I love are in involved in those fields, you know, but um, it's just a different type of person. And so that poem was based on an experience I had where I witnessed it. And, and basically I was getting paid to write because I was writing poetry while I was on the clock because we just sat there. I mean, we just sat there. So that doesn't mean you shouldn't buy my book though. It's in this reality of man. Um, this poem appears in this reality of man, um, which you can get. You can also purchase it at the root and get it from me and I'll cover shipping. If you purchase it through me, we just, we take money through cash app and through PayPal. Uh, everything's explained on the website. Just go and check it out. But, um, this job, this, this poem will probably never be republished. I can't imagine republishing it again, at least in the foreseeable future. But that's job fair. It's a short and sweet one I wrote on the fly at work a long time ago. I mean, it's been with me since like at least 2011. All right. Let's see what we have next. Um, those I had to take this break and kind of talk about those poems because they're going to be way different from what we're about to read. Okay, so I'm skipping over a sonnet because the sonnets that I've published on my website, The Root of Many Returns, they're all patriotic sonnets. They're all themed patriotic sonnets. So I want those as a collection together and they're not going to be included in this recording. I'm sorry, but I'm not because they are their own body of work. The, own, the other thing I'm not reading is Black Orpheus because that's its own body of work as well. Um, but what I will share with you next is... Uh, so if these poems I'm sharing with you from the root of any returns were not published in any other previous publications, these are their first publications. So this next poem is one such poem, uh, first appeared here on the root of any returns and you are getting a fixing of it from me. All right. So this poem Maybe we'll talk about it. Maybe we won't on the other side, but we're going to read this poem and maybe one more and we'll be done for the night. And um, this poem is entitled Take the Ride. And I published it on December 25th, 2018. 
I've one last chance to bear witness to the oddity and uniqueness, a first-time original, a tchotchke of absurdity, abstract. The walls are building up around him, admiration one last time, appreciation, a resolution before the chains and shackles desecrate his name voice of an underground generation, inspiration engaged in the risks of life, necessity of truth, experience the drive to conclusive judgments, the taint upon his name, ranks of autonomy, vicarious alive we learn, the forging of a memory, a blasted wind twisted in the lights, the trails of inspiration, a singular distillation perceived by the artists above. Fist to the sky, a cannon ablaze for the final ride to reach the heavens, every attempt to make it there on one's own, to stave off rejection, the ultimate fear that seizes the soul at the final door of reality. The whispers of loathing run deep. They burrow in the skin, a sickness plagued by the curators of history. The poisoned rabbit hole, attractive as deep, gives direction to the madness. An effigy is burning as the world returns to light. The scarcities of imagination that drive the actions of another, the vacuum of besieged souls, will leave room for new growth. The legends of old, the texts that built this world and generations forsaken by the sins of the shadows, prostrate in agony, guilt bleeding from their brows, their visions deteriorating, rotting, decaying the interior of the soul expressed outwardly. A trap for the lost or the questioning conscience. So that poem was actually about Hunter S. Thompson. Um, <laughs> uh, I should have known. I was like, what is this poem about? I don't remember. <laughs> that was a cold reading, folks. Um, take the ride. Uh, Hunter S. Thompson is the one who said, buy the ticket, take the ride. And you see, there's a lot of news about Hunter coming out. If you've tuned into previous podcasts, you may, this has been a topic of conversation. This is something I'm going through. Okay. I'm working my way through this, please. This is my experience. Anyways. Um, he may, he may well have been involved in filming and producing child snuff films, which is child pornography in which the children were murdered at the conclusion of the abuse. And that is something that will totally, that'll bring that his body. He's done. He's done. He's done. Regardless of whether or not 
he was doing it as an inside man or an inside job or whether or not he did it because he was going to rat out on the bushes and we're going through his last book, Kingdom of Fear, right now. And yes, he addresses the bushes. He addresses the he addresses the the extremity of the state and how it's taking over and it's being fascist. He talks about the regime. He talks about the war on fear. He talks about the war on terror. Exactly what I was talking to you guys about with the first poem, The Neighborhood is silent hunter s thompson's talking about in the kingdom of fear like this is something we experienced in the early 2000s after the 9-11 attacks like this was the predominant energetic feeling that was being laid across america and across the world and i am just the luckiest son of a bitch that was engulfed ensconced cocooned in this protective love bubble like this energetic like love bubble that just emanated all of this cosmic energy i was lucky that i was going through that during this intense time of terror and fear because the rest of america was subject to fear and we needed the anchors the anchor the light working anchors who were who were brought to this earth to ensure that they transmuted that negative energy to provide that light at that dark time like that was a time of total collapse like we what they had they had this whole lead up with the, this whole like energy of the end of the world at the year 2000 the millennium they put all of this energy into all of their creativity every media event every every outlet was talking about armageddon was talking about uh was talking about um you know comets and asteroids coming from the sky was talking about the world imploding it was just that was the statue that was that was the predominant vibe that you were supposed to experience at the time think about your time of life what you experienced between the year like 1998-99 all the way through like 03 to 05 and i tell you between 99 and 2001 the terror attacks and then until 2003 when the mission was accomplished it's fear 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 what was going on in your life it'd be interesting to know i was in an intense love bubble until 2004 and that that bitch popped and well i mean the rest is history we'll read the book i haven't even decided to talk about or write about that thank you very much but that's like 20 years from now um you have something to look forward to when i'm 50 so um but anyways so that's what was going on back then. That was the main vibe. And um, Hunter S. Thompson, he, he's done. If, if he really, in fact, did participate in the creation of child snuff porn, he is done. Um, we're getting to a point that all of them, every single celebrity out there, whether it's Madonna, whether it's Oprah Winfrey, whether it's anyone that people will roll your eyes at, whether it's Tom Hanks, you know, like whatever, you know, we are getting to Lady Gaga, whether we're getting to a point where we where where we're just going to have to reject it, you know, and and I'm facing the personal crisis that every single artist in my personal repertoire might be a pedophile and, or a, a Satanist. And, and, oh, well, wait, there's nothing wrong with Satanism. Oh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with Satanism except, like, they're, like, among the most selfish sons of bitches that ever existed. Like, they're among the most selfish. They don't care. And they're, they're, like, right next to the chaos theory people who don't believe in karma. You know, like, and they think they can do whatever the hell they want. And they can't. And they won't. The universe 
will not allow for that type of thing to happen. Like that, that there's just, there's, I mean, in a universe and a cosmos as big as it is, if, if, if intellectual design or a God can exist and creationism or, or creationism and evolution can exist, can coexist and there's enough space and enough time in this damn universe for evolution and creationism to both exist in tech intellectual design some sort of creative higher power consciousness designing things and evolution and chaos i really do believe it can all exist if some higher power or higher entity or what have you can create all this conscious energy that goes about having experiences at their own free will Obviously, chaos can exist, but chaos is not the order of the universe. Uh, things are too beautiful. Things are too methodically put together. But that's not to say that there's one supreme overlord that did this, but a mere miracle of consciousness in energy. That um, I think that ultimately... Everything that has free will and conscience energy, everything that's conscious of itself is experiencing all of these experiences for that one conscious energy. Like, I honestly think that that's something, I mean, I think I could be onto something. I don't think we're just, to well, I don't think we're just a ball of energy in Toto's, like, you know, dog collar on, you know, men in black. You know, I don't think it's that kind of thing. I think it's a little bit bigger than that. Anyways, okay. We'll see. I don't know. I know we're cosmic energy. I, I, I believe that. I believe we're conscious cosmic energy. We come from the source. You know, that's that's the best explanation that I ever had to that. And that has rang clearer to me than anything I've ever heard. Uh, any Any dogma that someone tries to lay on you in their own trifling beliefs here on this planet, let them speak. But if it does not ring true in your soul, if it doesn't sparkle, if it's not good in your gut, if it gives you a gitchy feeling, it's not right for you. And you have to learn to trust your gut and you have to learn these things first in order for you to be able to discern the specifics like that. Like this whole Hunter S. Thompson thing and his kitty porn snuff films. Like, that's hard, you know? And, and why is it that all of the artists specifically in a very specific genre of music that I listen to, I mean, of course, you know, you have your Britney Spears, your pop musics, you have your, all the people who are involved in that too, but then you have the people that don't do anything, but these people, a lot of them seem like the offspring of like, uh, you know, rich people that just had the ability to make music and then went out on tour and they became big and I just happened to love what they did and they all happened to be Satanists. Anyways, okay, let's get to the final poem for the night because I just, you know, it's tragic, folks. Like, I will not be... I'm never gonna dance again. <laughs> I am never gonna dance again. Okay. This poem, I'm not going to go into the explanation of the poem. Um, I wrote this... Wow, this is already a hop, skip, and a jump away to two years from the day. This poem was written in February 19th, 2000. Well, it was published on February 15th, sorry, 2019 on my blog, The Root of Many Returns. 
Um, so this is a newer poem, and again, like I said, it, it, it's, a, it's a different vibe, so enjoy. The title of this poem is Midnight Clouds. Mercy Street forlorn in the morning clouds. The eyes heavy in retreat eclipse its own vision, iris shaking, pupil fat. The fog clings low to the ground, the feigned winter breeze of an ill-fit new year and holiday season, all but elements and figments of a present now past. Random auditory notes, Celestial to organic ooze softly through the dim blue, the prism cast even through the multicolor Christmas tree that stands proudly, defiant of the cycle consumerism has set. Another buzz on the silenced phone reminds of the artificial means of contact, perpetuated, advanced, and liberating but also enslaving. Days have passed with but a blink in time to rest. The blackness usurps fastidiously, a deep vacuum one hears as life vanishes down the funnel. Falling apart, piecing into bits, a shred in time, a shred of time, Elapsed into a memory, the spectrum disintegrates as static, a multicolor fuzz established in the night, a waft of fog streamlined like a feather, but hazy like cotton, fills the empty space of ground, and we, the people, have receded. We have shriveled into our shelves and tents. We have succumbed to the very nature of the beast. That is to say, our spirits are filled with goodwill, and the actor's pernicious glare stares only at the jugular. Flesh on flesh rubs raw, hours into lovemaking the unnatural cause of a ludicrous effect. The winds of Jupiter could not stop it. It would seal it in a glass bowl of constant paranoia and awareness of every move. The silent creep around the corner has eyes one only seen at night. And the steps so carefully placed are chosen to strike chords of discontentment as clash decision and discernment. Faith within the huddled space, the flames and torches light the way. The incensed waft precarious sanctifies the base, allows those lost in light, the lovers late and lazy, the lonesome and the loathsome, the legion watching many to emote a rank sulfuric steam, the garbage, manure, rotten, 
and deceased to plague the pristine strands of fair incense, storm clouds on the horizon, a quiet flash, a sexual pulse. Discretion is out the door. A hum electric in the veins, a fizz and a pop, a clearing of the sitting soul, a buzz that rides the very bone, opens eyes into the inner core, rewrites the brain, the mind now wired to the world. was Midnight Clouds, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I haven't read that poem in quite a while, but uh, interestingly enough, I think of all the poems I've ever written, this is the only one that my brother understood. <laughs> Anyways, we'll leave that at the door. But... Um, <clears throat> I hope you enjoyed the poetry that you heard tonight. Um, I talked a little bit more tonight than I do on my poetry poetry nights, but I'm 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 hoping that was acceptable to you all. I had a great time. Um, please check out therootofmanyreturns.com. Um, purchase my books um, or just donate to the website so I can keep doing this work. Um, everything I do right now comes from my readers and my podcast listeners. So. Anything you can do um, uh, will help. A, a dollar, two dollars. Um, hey, uh, espresso goes a long way when you're doing news reports and writing poetry all day long. But anyways, all right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and let you guys go. It's been a great night. I hope you enjoyed the poetry. Check out the stuff and stick around for more. There's going to be more coming up on the experience here with Michael Aaron Cassidis. I promise you guys. Love you all. Have a great night. And we'll see you all on the flip side. Something is haunting the town. Adam Longoria has gone missing, and his sister claims she's been seeing a bad man in the shadows. Jesse Bachman confronts a terror that is haunting the town of Suval, but will he be able to stop a pure evil that wants him dead? Get the chilling new novella by Michael Aaron Cassidis, author of The Distance to the End. A Trick of the Eyes, a stunning new work of horror that is keeping readers turning the page. Get A Trick of the Eyes anywhere books are sold, online or in stores, ask for it by name. A Trick of the Eyes by Michael Aaron Casares.
the experience with Michael Aaron Kosteris is listener-supported. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a small monthly donation to support future episodes. You can contribute directly at anchor.fm slash thexpodcast. Click on the support button and enter your card information for a secure donation. Choose your monthly donation. 99 cents to 9.99 a month. Every bit helps. Again, visit anchor.fm slash the X podcast spelled the T H E X podcast E X P O D C A S T. And tell them Michael sent you. <laughs>